Hello, you're listening to the Short Film Podcast. We're filmmakers that watch and analyse as many short films as we can. My name is Bernadette, I'm a film director and producer. I'm joined today with producer and director of photography and Tobias Jan. Say hello. Hi. And producer Jamie Mills. Hello. In this episode, we'll be breaking down short films that tell a true story. And our special guest for today to kind of help us really dive into these stories and kind of see how the filmmaking does what it does is Juliana Mastubara. Matsubara, yeah. <laughs> Matsubara, yes. thank you. Um, who specializes in production design, but also has a keen passion in film directing. Please tell us a bit more about you, what you do, what you're into. Hello, thanks so much <laughs> for having me. <laughs> yes, uh, a little bit more about myself, oh my gosh. How do you get into production design? Right, so... Thank you very much. That was a very helpful question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, basically, I did a BA in architecture, and that's kind of how it all started. Um, mostly because, like, my my family would never support me if I had chosen filmmaking, because they were like, "Ah, oh, you're gonna be poor for the rest of your life. No way." And then I was like, "Okay, what can I do that my you know, help me get into filmmaking, but at the same time, I'm not going to die studying for, <laughs> yeah. yeah, many yeah. years. And and then architecture seemed uh, a very good idea because um, it, it just combined everything that I loved, like history, uh, drawing, uh, a little bit of set design as well. Yeah. So at the beginning, I was like, I'm sure I'm going to go into set design. And then in Brazil, where, where I did the, the BA, it's almost like, well, it's really hard to go into set design if you do architecture because it's very engineer, you know, it's very construction oriented. Okay, yeah. So I was kind of like, oh God, what did I do? And it was like too late to give up. Um, yeah, but then at the end of the course, I, was, I just decided to specialize in filmmaking. Yeah. So at least like my grad project had something to do with filmmaking. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then that's kind of how I, you know, got into filmmaking after graduation. Because then, um, well, I finished the course and then I started working with animation a little bit and um, did a bit of graphic design. So it was more like filmmaking yeah. and more creative stuff, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but that was like... Ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Architecture is not an easy degree to go. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's really not. <laughs> it's crazy. A and lot what did of you stuff. study when you came across? You did production design. Uh, you after after the BA, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after the BA, I uh, worked um, like two years with animation, and then. Uh, I was an art editor for a book publishing company wow. for another two years, okay. did a bit of freelance on the side, um, but then I guess filmmaking is filmmaking and I really wanted to go into yeah. deeper into that. So I joined forces with my husband mm-hmm. and we decided to save some money and move to London where we would have the opportunities that we wanted to, you know, we, we really wanted to go uh, specializing something that we we had like we were we are passionate about so um, on his side it was like more business and for me it was filmmaking so that's how I started here 
um, yeah, we mo we both moved here and um, decided to go into yeah filmmaking. Yeah, and basically production design is the obvious choice because of my background of the architecture background. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of how I got into the industry. Yeah, but I still missed having that deep understanding about like how films are made. So that's why I did the masters after that. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Can I ask, mm -hmm. How come you chose London rather than mm. America? So I, I yes. know it's kind of controversial. I'm saying I'm not saying the yes. film industry isn't booming, but I'm just kind of yeah curious. And so that's a very long story, actually. How can I make that short? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's gonna sound very cheesy. <laughs> we like cheese, but cheese. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So the first time I I came to London, I felt like I was born here. I felt this deep connection with the wow. city okay. and the culture. And I think later on, um, well, I was doing softballs actually, the documentary that I did for for grad project. Uh, I went deep into my roots and try to understand certain things about myself. And I realized that a lot of the things that I had studied when I was a child had to do with London or the English culture somehow. Yeah. So like Agatha Christie or, yeah. um, you know, films that I watched uh, that, I, that I really enjoy watching or even I, like when I started learning English, it was such a, you know, it was a language that, somehow um, touched me in different ways. Yeah, yeah. I guess because like my parents spoke Japanese with me, but then I, I grew up speaking Portuguese and that was quite confusing. And then when I started learning English, it was almost like a clean slate, you yeah. know? And yeah. yeah, so all of those things had um, a deep connection with me. And I think that's why I, I felt like I was born in London. And when I decided to like study more, uh, I chose London because of that, because that's where I felt comfortable exactly. with my ideas and with the people that I met. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's really, that's really <laughs> We've known each other for pretty much exactly a year now. Yeah. Because we made uh, a web series called Live With It. And we had a director on board and he dropped out. And you came and saved us and transformed <laughs> it and made it this, I feel like we were, because it was a web series shot entirely on a mobile phone. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I feel like we we kind of went in with the approach of because it was shot on a mobile phone to be very just relaxed and improvised and see how it goes and very chilled. And you came in, you had all these amazing ideas and all these great thoughts. And we were like, oh, crap, we better like get properly on this. <laughs> like, oh my God. Um, I think that was the first time you guys had met. Yeah, it yeah, was, yeah, we, we it met was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Because all three of us worked, me, Jamie, and Juliana, all worked on that project. Yeah, yeah. Um, check it out on YouTube, live with it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's it called again? Live with it. Yeah. Have you watched it? Yeah. yeah, but your chair squeaked when you first said it, and so I was worried that... No, it did, it, it wasn't it did. <laughs> no. I was worried that it didn't pick it up, and then I was like, fuck no. it, it did not. Okay. Um, do you guys have any favorite films which are based on true stories? Because it feels, um, mm. there's obvious ones there in that you'd pick any of the historical films, I guess. Like mm. Gladiator would be, you know, is obviously a great one. Braveheart is another great one. 
but it kind of feels a bit of a cop out, I suppose, to pick a historical one because, by definition, they kind of have to be based on true stories. Mm-hmm. Like I loved um, from this year, the favorite, you know, mm. with Olivia Colman. So good, yeah. Just exceptional piece of filmmaking. But it feels like with the theme that we've gone for this week about true stories, it feels like it has to be slightly more contemporary and about things that are happening to people now. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So recently I've been watching Unbelievable, the Netflix um, TV series. Oh, I know. And that's based it's on the true really story yeah. of... Um, so the part... I think the part of it which is based on the true story is um, one of the lead characters is raped and she goes to the police and like explains what's happened. That's a really like tough and vigorous process, like give them a statement over and over to the police, to the medical people, to other detectives, and then they bring her in again and ask her the story again, and, like, her details are, like, slightly different, and then the police stop believing that she actually got raped, and they're, like, yeah. pressuring her into her saying that she didn't get raped, and then, it like, the story continues from there. Yeah, you know, like, and in the end, she basically just gives up, because it's, you know, it's such a mm. huge amount of effort... To yeah, she did give up in the in the series, but something else happened. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is gonna be the spoilers. So we're <laughs> talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is that a whole series about a girl like giving up? Because <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna watch that. <laughs> okay, first. I sat down to watch it like five or six times, and then I'm like, ah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will watch it. I will watch it. To be fair, you do need to be like ready to watch it. Like, yeah. The first yeah. episode, especially, is very like. A tough watch. Yeah, it's a tough watch. Yeah. It's true. Mm, I don't know. I can't think of any. Really? I've, got, I've just got stupid ideas like finding Nemo coming into my house. <laughs> 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 like, in the booth, like, it's like, just dumb. <laughs> so, no, I can't think of any. Like, it's too much. <laughs> That's an interesting insight. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fascinating insight into how your brain works, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> Um, what were you? What, what, what's the other? I mean, the two shows that I think I've talked about constantly to everyone I've spoken to in the past month, uh, which is Glow, the oh, Netflix yeah. series about the the female wrestling kind of championship from the nineteen eighties, which I think is such a glorious bit of television and just so lovely and funny and amazing. Um, and the other one being Mind Hunter. You guys watched that? I've already mentioned it. it. I've already mentioned it. What's it about? So the central conceit is something I would normally not be interested in at all. It's um, an FBI team from the 1980s going around interviewing serial killers and sexual predators and using those insights to try and catch killers. So it's a real thing. It's a real thing these guys did. It was a real team. And like they coined, at least in the show, they claim to have coined the phrase serial killer and all the different terms we associate with them today. So it's really interesting um, from that point of view. But it, it's not the kind of thing I'd usually be interested in, but I just think it's it's just really well put together. And the story is so fascinating because it's not, it's not about the murders necessarily. And that's something they try and spin early on is that the things they're learning about these, these psychopaths and these predators... It's not just applicable to criminals and these, you know, terrible people doing awful things. It's applicable in everyday life and it's applicable to not just people who have done terrible things, but there are lots of terrible people out there who behave like that or have similar psychological mechanisms going on with them. And I think there's they definitely draw, in a subtle way, draw parallels between the psychopaths that they're interviewing and also the, the other regular people in the series and how actually 
the behaviors are different, but psychologically there's a lot of the same stuff going on. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's just really compelling. It's really interesting. That's my advert for Mind Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I've had to think. And Finding Nemo? <laughs> yeah. Finding Dory. Just gotta <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Into the Wild. Have any of you guys seen that? Into the Wild, yeah. The yeah. film? Yeah, the film, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one that Reese. I watched. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I watched. Oh, no, wait. Wait, what were you, were you about to say? Reese? Re- 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 oh, no, no. no? That, that, I think that's just called Wild. No, no, no. Wild. Wild. Yeah, that's, that's wild. just Wild. Yeah. <laughs> Into the Wild. Into the Wild. Oh, it's, yeah, Sean Penn directed it, no? I think he did, yeah. Yeah, I think he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a tough, that, a tough yeah, I watched that watch as well. <laughs> yeah, I watched, yeah. <laughs> I watched that. I must have been about 10, yeah, I must have been about 10 years ago. And it was at the stage of my life where I was like, do I want to go into filmmaking? Or like, was, <laughs> was it, is it even an option? Yeah. Um, because no one, I, no one around me was doing it. And as soon as you mention it, everyone's like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. But it was a kind of a stage where I was like, you know, this is actually the thing that I'm most excited about. Okay. And I watched that and I was like, yeah. And I, I loved it. And we had to do like a video. We had to do, um, it, was in, in, it was in class, the teacher brought it along. We had to do like, give a stand up and give a presentation. Mm-hmm. And I spent, you know, me and homework weren't the best of friends. But on this, <laughs> bit, like this bit of homework, doing the research and the filmmaking and finding out all about it, I absolutely loved it. And I loved presenting about it. And then Everyone's like, you've got so much effort into this, like, what are you doing? <laughs> but I just loved it so much. And, and So, the first film we'll be analysing today is called Suburbia. It was written and directed by Antonio Orena Barlin. Barlin. Apologies for the mispronunciation. It was inspired by true events of a mass shooting in Australia in the 1990s. It was brought forward by Matthias. Here's a clip for you now. Hey guys, should I keep going? Keep going, mate. What do I do? Just keep going. Where are we going? I don't know. She's. Honey, how long? Let's get your stand back here. Have four minutes. I don't know what I'm doing. Stand back here. What do you got? Not she breathing. was just talking there. Okay. Okay. Four. Yeah. No way. I'm sorry, mate. She's dead. Okay. Oh, keep doing it. Mate, she's dead. Do something. We've got four more patients around the corner. Okay. We've got to go to them. She was just talking. Sorry, mate. So Matthias, why'd you bring it along? What'd you love about it? Tell us more. Yeah, so it was quite a while ago when I watched this film for the first time and I'm pretty sure I was in like secondary school at the time. So I was still like a teenager. And like on the news, I had heard about like terrorist attacks and mass shootings and stuff, but I had never really put myself in that situation and imagined what it would actually be like to be at a mass shooting or something like this. And this film, the way it's shot, the way it's directed, everything about it, like really puts you in that situation and like, it was so impactful watching that and like really thinking about it for the first time, what it would be like and like how scary and terrifying something like that is. So like it just hit me really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Juliana, what do you think about the film? Right. So I have very mixed feelings about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. So when I watched it for the first time, I was like, okay, what did just happen? I was slightly confused about the context and I, w- I wasn't like understanding why he wasn't panicking so much. Yeah. And then I thought, okay, maybe that was on purpose. Maybe the director really wanted him not to panic because it's such a surreal situation that, you know, if you were in that situation, would you panic or would you walk around and, and try to help or what would you do? Yeah. Um, so I think that's 
that's one of the things that made me f have this, you know, this mixed feeling of not being very clear about what was the argument, like what what's the strongest, what what is it trying to say with the film, and so that's kind of like a positive and negative side at the same time because yeah. I think it's also good that you don't clearly know because actually that's how we all feel in a situation like that. I mean, I I have been in a similar-ish situation where like about six years ago in Brazil, we had a lot of riots, uh -huh. a lot of them because, because of the president we had at the time and basically the main avenue in, in the biggest city in Sao Paulo, uh, in, in Brazil, Sao Paulo, um, was like filled with a lot of, you know, angriness all the time. And then there was this day that I was at the mall and we heard a sort of like a bomb explode. And then a lot of people screaming, like absolutely mental situation. Then we all, we were all in the, like in the food court of the mall. So we, we, <laughs> we went inside one of the kitchen where it's like just like backstage kind of thing and we obviously we were not allowed to be there but because of the situation yeah. and the, the craziness we all went inside and we stayed there for like 15 minutes without knowing what was going on outside and I think that watching this film kind of reminded me of that situation because it's such a confusion you know it's, it's there's so many people screaming and it's such a you you are in a state of mind where all you care about is your safety. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think if I was in, in his situation, I would run like a lot of people did. But mm. at the same time, his, his specific situation wasn't like his instinct wasn't to run. That's what he did at the time. And, and I think I understood that because it's based on a true story. You yeah. know? That's what he did at the time, at that moment. So... Yeah, I have I have mixed feelings because of that because that's not what I would do. But at the same time, you know, it's yeah. Yeah. So it kind of tells the real story in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think. That was really terrifying though. Sorry, being that. It it was it was there, but in the end, it wasn't. I mean, it was just like ten people who were like really angry and decided to break one of the cars that that were in display at the entrance of the mall and basically they they broke the car broke the plants and then people started screaming and then things just escalated much bigger than it should be so the police arrived and closed down the entire mall so we couldn't leave at the same time but yeah it was an extreme situation it was like nothing like that ever happened yeah in in the last 30 years yeah. i mean yeah it's been like a long time since that happened so it was kind of crazy but yeah, yeah. it's life <laughs> about it i think my my the thing that i really like about the film and it is one of the things you were highlighting is that you you when you're in those kind of situations you don't really know what's going on there's a sense of chaos and a sense of disorder and this film is so subjective you know we aren't given a kind of omniscient perspective in terms of knowing what the shooter is what's going on you know it would be so easy to tell this is a different story where it cuts to you know the opening scene is a guy loading a gun and he's angry or something you know or have these intercuts the fact that we just stay with him it's 
it allows you to have quite a focused experience of what I imagine it would really be like in that scenario because you don't have all the information. You know, things are happening, the story's developing, but you're just going along for the ride in it. You know, as much as he's trying to have a sense of agency and kind of tra- take control of the situation, it, he feels as helpless as anyone else, you know, even though he's trying to do something. Um, and it's quite... I found myself feeling quite anxious watching this. Yeah. Um, so I watched it twice, actually. So I watched it once on my own, and then I watched it once with other people around. And the second time, it was easier to watch because there was other people around. But watching this on my own, I was like, I felt my heart going quite fast and was genuinely quite distressed. And, and that is... I think as, as if you make a film and you're able to ha- make someone have a strong emotional response to it, then I think you've achieved what... You know what I mean? I think that mm-hmm. makes it a great thing. And yeah. I think it's really well put together. That was an incoherent ramble. <laughs> what did you think? I had a kind of like weird, um, so at first I was similar to you, I was like super anxious and I wanted him to run, I was like, why are you going in the direction of the guy that's shooting? Like, everyone's telling you to run the other way, go run the other way. And and then this film massively reminded me of the film, well, I'm pretty sure it was inspired by the, well, anyway, film Elephant by it was about the mass shootings. It was in a in a high school actually setting, and you follow these two guys who then go on to commit like a mass shooting, and it's shot in the same way, a single take, and you just follow, you watch them. It's from their perspective, and you watch them just go around the school in a really ca- weirdly calm fashion, finding people and shooting and stuff. Um, and this kind of like reminded me of it. And I was like, but no, this is a guy that's like a victim. He's not the shooter. But there was that weird calmness about him as well. And it kind of felt at times that like I was watching the guy that was committing the shootings, not a guy that was running away from the shootings. And so I didn't know if the film director wanted me to be placed in a situation like of the victim. But we saw other victims and we saw them running away. So he was clearly showing a comparison, like, oh, that's what you should be doing. But this guy wasn't. And so I was like, are you trying to put me in the position of the shooter who's just wandering around and shooting really calmly? But I feel like you only get my interpretation because you've watched Elephant. Like, me not watching Elephant, I would never have associated him with a shooter. Potentially, but didn't you not think yeah. there was a weird calmness about him? Yeah, to me, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Like, it was that's like, where my confusion comes yeah, as well. Like, yeah. yeah. I feel like he doesn't really believe like what's going on could actually be going on until he starts to get real evidence. Like because it's living in like England, if I heard a gunshot, I wouldn't think I've actually just heard a gunshot. I'd be like, what is that? Like that can't have yeah. been a gunshot. What is that? And like I'd be staying calm because I'm like, no, there's no way it could actually be that bad. And like I wouldn't want to get panicked. Like I'd be doing everything I can to not be panicked because if I just don't expect it to actually be something bad. Yeah. And then it's not until like you see real evidence and you see people be, who are actually shot and you're like, oh, wow, this is actually as bad as I think, isn't it? No, it can't be still. Yeah. I, I feel like there was it in a, like, he was like in a, a denial with himself all the way through this oh, and like, not really yeah. believing what's going yeah. on is actually happening. Mm-hmm. I think what I kind of concluded from what I was thinking is that the filmmaker was trying to put us in the context of the time because nowadays when you hear gun shooting, unfortunately because it's on the news so often mm. and the number of like mass shootings that have happened. I mean, even like the one in New Zealand, like that, you would never expect that to happen. It just doesn't. 
and the number that have been in America, like constantly, every few months we hear about it. And, and this was um, the events that this was inspired from were in the 1990s, before the big, you know, 9-11 and before other massive like terrorist attacks and such. So maybe at the time, like Matthias said, you'd have that kind of like, no, this doesn't happen. People don't go around shooting people. Like mm -hmm. it's not. So maybe he was trying to like put us into that perspective that um, at the time you wouldn't believe believe it. But if you'd feel, but now, I think you would have a different reaction potentially. Yeah, makes sense. In England, I'm still not sure I'd like quite believe it. If I was in America or a place which I know has guns, like, and there's so many mass shootings there, like, I would first thing I'd think, oh, like this is bad. I should get away. But if I heard a gunshot in England, I'm not sure I'd assume it's a gunshot. Like, I think maybe it's a firework or something like that. Like, there's no way there's a gun in England. Well, see, where I grew up, though, the, oh, yeah, like, they have gun, I have gunshots all the time just because of grouse shooting and um, pheasant shooting. I grew up in the countryside. Okay. And so there's, like, <laughs> people just, like, clay pigeon shooting and stuff. And so I hear gunshots a lot. And people wander around with gunshots. Like, I've, not yeah. gunshots. I mean, um, gun, yeah. The long guns. Shotguns. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've still like never heard a real gunshot in my life. And the only time I've ever seen a gun is when I went to Ghana. That's fast. Oh. Mm. I don't think I've, I think I've heard gunshots, but never actually seen a gun. Together we've <laughs> <laughs> um, just on the note of him being bizarrely calm. Mm. Part of it feels almost this is a strange one, but it feels like it's almost like our cultural associations with the Australian accent and being Australian. <laughs> this sounds so weird, but I'm going to stand by this slightly bullshit theory. But there's bits towards the end where he's like, I can't do an Australian accent. Imagine I'm saying this with an Australian accent. You can try. Give us your shot. No, I can't. It's like, um, oh my God, she's dying. And he's, he's, you know, clearly saying things that sound terrible, like, I don't know how long I've been doing it for. I don't know what I'm doing. You can't just leave her. He's saying all that kind of stuff. But I don't know if his, if his, his performance is a little bit flat, but because of his accent, he sounds kind of like jokey and jovial. Yeah. And I think, and I think part of it is just the fact that we, at least in the UK, imagine all Australians as quite like chatty and cheerful and yeah. relaxed. And so it's hard to see anyone with an Australian accent in a situation where it's quite, where they're quite distressed. Because actually it was just, now thinking, I can't think of many Australian or many TV shows and films where the central characters have been Australian that I've seen. Um, mm, so it's not an accent I'm familiar with in terms mm. of having that emotional range. I think that's why, to me, he felt very. But no, I know, I know. Do you know what you mean? Because my one of my favorite TV series is called Please Like Me. Again, set in Australia, and the protagonist at one point has to go through his mum dying. But even at his mum's funeral, it still kind of sounds quite. Not cheerful, but there's something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know how to. I know. I think I know what you mean, but yeah. yeah. It's a funny one. Um, was this film very cleverly edited, or was it shot in one take? Very good question. Because yeah, so that's another thing that I asked myself: Why did he choose to cut the shot, like in the beginning? And use a long take. Of, yeah, would have been you know. Would the film be more powerful if everything, absolutely everything, was done in one single take? Or do you know what I mean? Because there, there's yeah. like a there's a change of rhythm. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. But I think right at the beginning. I think the change of rhythm indicates a part where like, oh yeah, it's everyday life. Mm. And then suddenly it's not everyday life. And I think by having the one yeah. take, yeah. it yeah, puts yeah. you in the moment and kind of gives you the time to be like, what would I do in this situation? Mm. Yeah, I was wondering how much of that was an actual choice, you know? And how, how I mean... Because I didn't, I didn't feel like that, you know. I it just made me feel a bit like out of the story for one oh, moment, yeah, yeah. and I was like, "Wait, Why what? What's? Yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah." So I kind of wondered if that was an actual conscious choice, or was it a technical maybe? I think well, you know? the director said from the beginning he wanted the actual shooting section to be a one take. Mm. So this was their third take. So uh -huh. they did three takes that day. Okay. of a one shot that was like 10 minutes yeah just over 10 minutes mm. um 10 minutes, so he wanted it all one shot and it's and it goes back to the film elephant mm -hmm. where there they have normal editing but the moment that the two boys enter the school it's one take and he said he was like inspired and that kind of like yeah yeah that moment kind of giving you time yeah. to kind of yeah, yeah there, I, I totally but, understand yeah. i understand the choice but you're not sure whether it worked. But I'm not sure if it really okay. worked because it's a short. Maybe because I didn't have the time yeah, yet. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. To process. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it feels almost conceivable to me that that first scene was added afterwards, and that mm. it was almost an element of this guy doesn't feel very relatable. We need a very quick scene to establish, like, because actually, I think it's a really, as much as the the editing styles are slightly jarring. There's something quite nice about this that scene as a shorthand as a way of getting us to like right, this guy. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. funny. He's got a girlfriend. He seems caring. Like yeah. he got her a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On with the story. Like <laughs> that is a great thirty second shorthand for this is a good guy. You should like him. Like that's a really good way of doing it. Mm. Um, so I wonder if that was a decision afterwards, being like, we spend ten minutes with this guy, but we don't really care if he lives or dies because we don't know anything about him, and that was just a little thing to get us invested in him. That's nice. And his girlfriend. And mm. his girlfriend. So our next film this week is brought to us by Jamie. It's called Gatekeeper, um, and it follows character Ray Reza, who goes to a late night get together at a studio where she kind of hopes that she'll finally have the chance to impress people with her singing. But the night doesn't really go how she imagined. Here's a clip. Who this silly bitch? Thinking she's too good to fuck. Do you know who the fuck I am? Yo, somebody pull up my fucking bank account. Tell this bitch who the fuck I am. Yeah. You're not even my type. I got strippers that would love to be in your position right now. And you want to be a singer? Shit. You fucking up your chance right now. And I'm really sorry. Yo, shut up! Does this bitch know who the fuck I am? Huh? So, Jamie, why did you bring this short? What do you like about it? <laughs> um, I, I think this is an example of a film I want to bring along, partly because I think it's very interesting. It's, well, it's a well-put-together film, but I think this is... It just felt such a rele relevant and contemporary story, the story she's telling, particularly in the aftermath of this kind of Me Too era. And the fact that it does come from 
her personal experiences and reflective of what it's really like working within that industry and and this the experiences lots of young women particularly have to go through it's hard it's genuinely heartbreaking i think i found it often really difficult to watch almost more in the build up to it because from that first minute of the film you kind of know where it's going to go even without having an awareness of what the film is about and you know you're building towards this moment of like attempted exploitation and it's difficult it's difficult watching this idealistic earnest talented woman being forced into this scenario and yeah it was again as I said with the last film I think there's something really powerful in it if in a set of images on a screen can make you feel quite a strong visceral emotion and that's I think what this film absolutely does it's it's a really negative emotion it's very difficult to watch but I think it's a really powerful piece of filmmaking um, and a really vulnerable piece of filmmaking particularly because she it was her experience she starred in it it's you know her music in it I think that's unbelievably brave the way she's done that to uh, put that film together yeah like I completely agree with Jamie like I feel like this is a film that really needs to be like a story that really needs to be told like, I really want to see more films like this and like looking at the different industries and how there's like so much exploitation going on and how like we need to show people that like this is not okay to do and also like show people that um we're on their side and like it's such a vulnerable thing for Reyes to do and make a film like this, but it's so powerful. Do you like the film, Juliana? I love the film, yeah. yeah. I really like the format, how they combined like this shot, um, like extreme close-up, almost extreme mm -hmm. close-up on her face, on her eyes, you know, as if she's like talking to you on her own kind of thing, mm -hmm. uh, with the fiction side of what she's talking about. And it's such a personal film that it makes you care about watching it and the topic and the subject. And you, you're just into the film straight away because it starts so powerful. It starts with her face looking at you. So I think it's a very clever format as well yeah, to engage the audience. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't realized it was the actual um singer who was starring it at first but it was about halfway through I was like this isn't an actress like this has got to be her um and that's when like I found out that it was her because it was just so, like you said it's so personal it's so real it was so intimate that it, it couldn't have been anyone but her to do what you know but yeah. yeah which took so much courage but you know since then I think the guy's been kind of prosecuted and but it was for so, other yeah. crimes so it wasn't based off of her story that got him prosecuted because if she kept really? him like unnamed but more recently he's had like two more um sexual assault crimes yeah. like mm -hmm. prosecuted for and then Reyes revealed like this story was about him oh so it's now out there in the public who this is about yeah yeah so who is it about <laughs> it's I mean, a, be like... a producer called detail oh right yeah okay. oh he it's works on uh, little Wayne, I don't know, like, it worked with like, well, I am Little Wayne and... I think that the hardest bit is that his kind of sense of entitlement towards her. Yeah. Yeah. When they're in the back of the car mm -hmm. and she's trying to explain that, look, I, I just I want to do music, you know, I, res I respect myself, I, you know, don't want to sacrifice that to get a career and he's... the. Uh, 
anger he expresses towards her that he tries to humiliate it it's awful it's mm. such hard it's such hard view i think one of the worst parts is where he's like i'm the gatekeeper so like he knows the power he has and he knows like what he's holding over her and like he's proud of it like yeah. that's what like it's not just yeah. that he's uh feels entitled he also knows he's trying to exploit someone and he's happy to do that yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a real power in this, in the explicitness of it. You know what I mean? The way they really put it front and center, what he's trying to do, what they're going to do, what the stakes are of this. Mm-hmm. That makes it almost more heartbreaking, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Bernie, what did, what did you think? You know, about your view? Um, yeah, I thought it was really cleverly put together. I think you needed that kind of her story and her voiceover, and it keep cutting back to her close-up, because... I think so easily you could have told the same film, but with the outcome, oh, what a stupid idiot. Like, she should have seen that coming. Unfortunately, I think, I feel like you could have had that, but because you have that personal kind of, like, her explaining what was happening and, like, her, you know, love of the industry, like, the music and stuff and her passion, and the way she says it, you're like, oh, actually, you would, if you're in that situation, you would. And I've definitely been in stupid situations that I've got myself into, um, and so the way she says it you kind of relate um, so I think you needed that kind of like personal kind of her talking to you and be like yeah it was it was a dumb thing to do but when you're in the moment you kind of forget you forget reason and especially when you've got like such a passion for you know and this was potentially her chance to kind of get her music out there you, you almost do anything um, and one of the most like hitting lines was uh, yeah she says I almost sold my soul that night I think, that, I think that's yeah. what she says. Um, and the fact that she kept true to herself and even though she had, you know, the chance of a life... Oh, I don't want to call it the chance of a lifetime because it was such a horrific chance. Yeah. Like, it was such, like... It's not something that you're like, oh, yeah, I got here because I slept with someone. Like, that's not... Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just really admirable that she did stick to who she was. Um yeah, so, yeah, and, and like you guys also, I love the fact that they, the format of it where they flick between mm-hmm. really personal up close and like the visuals, um, the actual narrative. And so. I don't think it would have been as impactful if they had done it just as the like, narrative yeah. part of our narration, or if they had done it the other way of just narration and not the narrative. I yeah. think combining the two was like, the best yeah. way to tell the yeah, story. Definitely. It grounds it and like gives you someone to relate to, like, yeah. really yeah. on a personal level. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think we're all kind of. Um, at fault where we kind of sometimes watch a short film or a film even and we're like oh yeah you know sad story but mm. you forget about it almost yeah. instantly which is, is horrible like so many people go through such horrific things but because you're kind of forced to be like this is my face like this is who it happened to you you remember yeah you remember mm-hmm. i think i might be jumping ahead here but i think that like these two films gatekeeper and uh two sides of the horn they both made me look it up online after I watch it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, so maybe that's why the, those two are, are like my favorite because it actually made me do something about it. Yeah. Even if it's just like searching online, yeah. getting to yeah. know more. I'm the same, yeah. Yeah, just, just to discover people. if she was a real yeah, artist. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Like, you who know. Who he was. And who he yeah. was, yeah. I suppose the, the, the overall like direction and feels quite unambitious to me i suppose like there's nothing in there that this feels if you were to do a basic guide on how to shoot something this is quite a good example you know you've got nice coverage 
it doesn't feel like it's necessarily trying to do anything too complicated. And maybe that's to its credit, because actually what it's doing is allowing the story to speak to itself. Mm. But you know what I mean? There's nothing particularly ambitious about it or particularly the direction I don't feel is bringing a lot to the story and helping to express it. Do you know what I mean? It is mm. just kind of allowing us to see the characters and allowing the narratives progress. I think there are a couple of subtle, like really great moments filmmaking wise okay. in it. So the scene when um, Jesse's singing, um, when we're outside by the car, that's done in a wanna. It's like the only section which is done in a wanna. And like it really like just lets you listen to her and then be in that moment. And like it's a really subtle and short wanna, so you don't even notice it's there. Okay. But like it puts you on that moment so nice and like you see the beauty of her voice, you see the beauty of that moment, and you're so happy for her with her in that moment, even though you can kind of see what's coming up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then yeah. the other scene is the bathroom scene where she's praying. Like, there's so much beautiful juxtaposition yeah. in that scene because of, like, she's praying to God. One of the things she says is she's thanking God for letting me be here. And then, like, on the wall in front of her, you've got the pictures of all the, like, naked women. Yeah. And, like, mm -hmm. there's the juxtaposition between what she's saying and, like, the production design around her. I mean, you've got, like, the red light, um, yeah. like, warning her of the danger. And it's, like, foreshadowing. And it's, like, saying her environment's toxic, even though she's good. Like, it's the environment she's in, which is the problem. Yeah, that's, yeah, you're right. Okay, I was wrong. Ignore everything I said. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Our third film today is called Sides of a Horn. It was written and directed by Toby Woskop. Sides of a Horn is, a first, is the first film to tell us the true story of the African poaching war from both sides of the fence and the effects that it's having both on the community and a prehistoric species. Here's a clip of it now. Uh. Sasmach. <laughs> I was the one that brought the film this weekend. Um, I brought it because I thought it really showed both sides of the story that I hadn't considered before. I so I spent some time like in different parts of Africa and exploring these kind of issues and seeing the species and, and the effects that it's had on the species. And I've like like spent time with people like trying to stop this, but I haven't spent time in the townships and the people that do, you know, with the poachers and why they do it. I've never, I've never done that. And so I'd automatically had a biased view. I was like, you know, whoever's doing it, they must be doing it for their own greed. Um, it's moral, like, what they're doing, like, can't they see how you know beautiful these creatures these are? And you know, the rhino is about to well, one of the rhinos extinct a couple of years ago. This one, the gray species, and there's one that's that's going to be extinct within the black species is going to be extinct within the next ten years, I think it is, um, if not sooner. Um, and so, this film opened my eyes and you know encouraged me to look at the other side and how when you're choosing between, you know, the life of your wife or your husband or your child, 
and the life of a rhino, then the choice is probably a lot more obvious than you kind of ever imagined. Um, and so that's why I brought this film and that's why I kind of, yeah, I thought it kind of hit, it kind of shocked me and kind of like told me to like wake up a bit and stop being, you know, assuming. Um, and the way that it's shot, I mean, it's set in South Africa. It's absolutely stunning. And yeah. We'll go with you, Juliana, first. What did you, okay. did you like the film? What yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my favorite. Um, yeah, it's really sad. But I don't know, I suppose, um, like, so, yeah, so, like, after I, I watched it, I I went online and tried to understand a bit more of the context. And because I, I watched it and I was like, okay, I never, I never really knew why they need horns. And then, yeah, so then I, I, I searched online and it said that it was, like, for many different reasons. One was, like, medicinal. Uh, Chinese medicine use it to cure like a lot of different diseases mm. and um, basically whenever they sell just one horn it's enough to like keep the family going for a year yeah. which is like ridiculous yeah like yeah. what you know like why why would you not do it you know in in, yeah. in, in a situation like that where you have to feed your children and your wife yeah. um like it's i'm not justifying it but like it's completely yeah. understandable context when you put into that situation yeah and then on the other hand you have someone in this in a similar situation who actually chose to fight it in similar situation like he, he also needs to feed his wife and child um but i think Although the ending looks looks like it's kind of open for you to interpret what happened, I think that like it's very clear that the two characters made a choice. You know, they're literally making a choice when they decide to go. One decides to go get the the rhino. The other one decides to to stop it. Yeah. Even after what happened to his wife and child, he still went there yeah. and, and did it so for me it's very clear they, they made their choice yeah. um, but then you as as the audience watching this where does that leave you I think that's the that's the open ending like yeah. what what do you decide to do after you you've seen both sides of the, the situation yeah. you know so I like this film because it made me care more than I used to, I guess. At the same time, it's it makes me feel bad <laughs> in a positive way because I still don't know what I would do. You know, I, I still don't know how I can really help aside from reading about it, and talking about it. I know that it's better than nothing, but uh, like in the in the website about the initiative. There's like a lot of different links where you can donate, where you can um, even, you know, go to South Africa and, and participate like in projects and stuff. But it still didn't make me feel like I should do it, like I should give my time and money to the cause. 
Ah, which made me feel really like such a bad person. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I think like again, I might be jumping ahead, but I can kind of I'm not sure like what the budget of each film was, but I can clearly see like this film definitely had a lot more budget to you know to produce to develop to produce to to shoot to edit yeah and yeah but well aside from that's maybe that's more like technical and stuff but i think there's a like the scales of production is different yeah in that sense yeah like it's yeah like suburbia and then Maybe you all already know this, but can you guess who the executive producer of this film was? Mm. You. I've <laughs> 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 been pouring my millions into these no. films. Um, I feel like I Is it obvious? Is it obvious? No, it's not obvious. So it's not anyone with any connection with film. Mm. Um, it's a very wealthy British man. Um, his company does lots of things. They do trains. I am mm. Richard. Oh, the mu- the musician. As a virgin. Uh, yeah, 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 virgin. Richard Branson. Branson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's actually on the Virgin website. Oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah. I I had some awareness that he was involved with these sort of issues, but it's nice. It's interesting that he's approaching it from this angle, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd be also really love to know how much like involvement he actually had, whether he's exec producer and just threw money in as Virgin and that's it, or whether it's he was hands-on in choosing this to tell this story. Um, part of me kind of hopes it's that he was wanted to tell this story and was, was driving it along, I suppose. It's so interesting that he was driving like an unbiased story. Yeah. That is interesting, yeah. Yeah. What did you think of it first? Yeah, I really liked the film. And like again, it's about it showing the both sides of the story. And I feel it like it's so easy and so often like you'd see a film which would just say, like, poaching is bad, people who are poach are evil, end of story. But like it delves much deeper in it and it shows all the issues yeah. and how it's a, like a much bigger problem to solve than just telling people don't poach. Like yeah. it's mm-hmm. poverty is the problem. There's so many other factors which yeah. are causing this to happen. And, like, maybe that is why Richard Branson wanted it to be an unbiased story told. Because if you just try and stop poaching, that's not going to solve the problem. You need to solve the bigger problem to solve this one. Yeah. And like, that's what I love, how it explores. Mm-hmm. I feel this is a point I probably make quite a lot. But when you take, like, quite a complex theme... I mean, it's basically what all films do, I suppose. But it really does it exceptionally well in this film, is take this quite large issue and theme about poaching and attaches it to a very personable and relatable story about are they brothers in the story have i understood that right brothers-in-law yeah and making it about their relationships and making it about them trying to protect their families and suddenly these big conceptual ethical issues get boiled down to what would you do to protect your wife kind of story and that's the only way and it makes it really resonate with people and it makes it much more insightful much more interesting much more allows you to get a much better grip on the issues. Um, and so I think it's really, it's a really nice way of getting us involved in that kind of thing. Um, agree with everything you said. I think it's fantastic that we get to see both sides of the point of view. That's something we I've never even considered whatsoever. Mm. I was like, poachers are evil, we should shoot them all. Also agree with you, Juliana. 
I felt like a terrible person because I didn't want to do anything. <laughs> I'm not going to do anything. Like, you know, it's pretty much my big issue in my life is that I'm like convinced about the ethics thing and then should I do something? No. <laughs> nah. Um, and the final thing that made me absolutely explode with glee about how much I really made me love this film. Explode with glee? Nice. I love that expression. Keep it. <laughs> okay. That made me explode with glee. Um, is the is the finale of this film with the you end with one of the brothers, well and brother in law pointing the gun at the rhino and the other one is pointing the gun at him. And then we cut to this like extreme wide of the whole kind of planes and then we just hear a single gunshot and that's the end of the film. I mean, such a fantastic way to end it. Really, I love the ambiguity of that. I love the open-endedness of that. I just think it's so intelligent. And I was almost, I was setting myself up to feel, setting myself up to feel frustrated about whatever the ending was going to be because it, it would ultimately undermine whatever argument you're trying to make because you're trying to say like, oh, both sides have a point of view and then whoever gets shot at the end or whoever chooses to shoot, you're almost immediately taking a side. So the fact it allows you to have that ambiguity and make up your own mind just ties into that whole like presenting both uh, perspectives on the issue um kind of tying into what we were, talk- we were talk- discussing the film a little bit before we started the podcast we were saying how you know we asked each other you know who do we think got shot and such and was it the brother or was it the rhino but then juliana mentioned that the ambiguity isn't about who got shot it's about what would you do like what side of this horn are you on now that you've watched that that's why, you know, and you, yeah. you said, like, what would you do? And so I think that's the ambiguity because at, after that, I don't know. But even though I've kind of, like, you know, participated in helping, like, anti-poaching and stuff, um, I think, I don't know, I think because I've seen a lot of the effects firsthand, I'm still, oh, I don't, no, I don't know. Yeah, it's such a difficult one. Um, what do you mean you've seen the, the effect first time? Um, so, like, when I um, spent some time in, like, Uganda and South Africa, okay. I kind of, like, went out and, so, if, during the night, one of the, there was an elephant, he got, like, approached during the night, and so we went out to see if we could, like, save him. Um, and a lot of the, there's, like, there's loads of museums in South Africa about uh, the poaching and, like, the effect that it has on the rhinos. I think the one that, yeah, yeah. And so there's two ways of like poaching. One, you can just gouge it out and that will always kill the animal. Or you can like cut it in a way that like makes the animal survive. You get less, but the animal will survive. And they're almost harder to kind of like deal with because you know that it's been like a vet, unless you're specially trained with animals. It's definitely been a vet who's done that. Oh God, like all of them sounds absolutely horrible yeah and so that's oh almost like God. harder like because you know the person that you'd think would want to protect, protect them is actually you know still encouraging this kind of but then maybe it, the vet thinks that they are protecting it because of that animal being killed by someone else yeah yeah maybe yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. But yeah. it gets so gray. so many like sides of the yeah. horn <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, it's such a difficult one. I think it's a it's a great little analogy as well of the the entire society, the way they do it, because you see like uh when you expect the wife of the person 
fighting the poachers. Uh, well, you kind of expect her to go against it, but she's actually supporting him. Yeah. yeah. And it just, the, the film says, I think for me, what the filmmaker is saying is that it takes the whole society together to fight this. You yeah. can't just go out there alone because yeah. you're not going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there are sacrifices to be made. So, yeah. 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 Which makes the, the thing even, you know, tougher, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think another really sad thing about the ending, at least how I interpreted it, uh, the brother who's about to shoot his other brother, he's not doing it to save the rhino. He's doing it from a place of revenge. Because he says, oh, yeah, I recognize the gun. And so he thinks it's the people who attacked his wife and child who is the person about to purchase Brian. That's when he's making the decision to shoot or not. It's based off of that. Yeah. Yeah, And like, it cuts to the family, like, um, just after he says, like, I recognize the gun. And you can see that that's what he's thinking about in that moment before he's making that decision. Like, he doesn't realize it's his brother. Because he doesn't see the brother with the gun. He only ever sees that gun at the beginning when he gets shoved, it shoved That's under his true. face. So it's conceivable that, that he's shot and killed him and then realised it's his brother. Yeah. I kind of like that less. <laughs> exactly, me too. Yeah, because... Okay, me... th- then it's like less... Sub- it's more selfish. Yeah, it's less yeah, of a like dilemma. Like... Yeah. Because <laughs> his whole thing is, do I protect my family or do I protect the rhinos? And that was his choice boiled down into a single moment. He can either yeah. shoot and kill his brother or... He's going to kill the brother. No, 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 I but he was... Shoot yeah, because he didn't know he was the, br- the brother. Yeah, but yeah, how I originally thought the scene was. Yeah. You know Although I, mean. I think it works, it still works. Because he's still finding the cause. I suppose so. Yeah, yeah, yeah I suppose he's, so. He's still, yeah. I don't think he would have shot the brother if he'd known it was a brother. Exactly, of, yeah. he loved his little, like, niece. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think sister. And like. his sister, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine... Jamie's like, nah, he's a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, it's cool, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and like, I mean, the production value of this, of all of it, is just so high. It's so it's really high. Yeah, yeah, it's done so absolutely stunning part yeah. of the world as well. Like, yeah. 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 It's just gorgeous. And the colours and everything just feel so rich and yeah. full of life. It's yeah. But you can know. see that it like, you know, you can s- tell that the brother in law is hates the fact that he's doing it. Yeah. Or that he's even you know, you don't see him actually kill the rhino, you don't know if he does. But he hates the fact that he's put into this situation and and it's because of the society, you know, the society that he lives in, and, and the lack of resources and such that he's been forced to put in this situation, be put into this situation. Mm-hmm. I did have one very slight thing, which is I felt like the pacing of this film wasn't quite as tight as it could have been. Mm. I, I feel like in terms of the narrative beats that get explored, it's probably too long. Mm. Um, Do you have specific moments? Not especially. I suppose it's it's one of those things where it's like it felt like everything was just a little, a little bit slower than it probably should have done, and I, and I think definitely there are instances in film where you can have a scene and have the film play out very you know proper slow burner for a very good reason. Mm. I'm I'm not sure I necessarily understand why the pacing of this was quite so slow. Um, I understand it as a kind of maybe you were trying to build up the relationships, but I don't think you necessarily need the time for that. Um, 
it almost for me felt like there was a lack of confidence there because it's a really well written film it's a really well performed film and everything about this is so strong that you could have done this in a much shorter way and I felt like we would have also been on board like mm. we got the relationships already we were invested quite early and then we're just kind of retreading ground like this could have been snappier for me but I mean that is quite a minor complaint because it's not how is it 17 minutes roughly uh, yeah. yeah, 17 yeah. minutes, including credits. So, I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you couldn't do it in a shorter way, but it did feel did feel a touch too long. Yeah, there we are. Yeah, we're just watching the credits of the film. Mm. Executive <laughs> producer, Sir Richard Branson. That is so interesting. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to be a billionaire if you just randomly fill and fund short films. That you fancy, yeah. 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 Anything else that anyone had on this? No, not for me. No? No? Yeah, brilliantly shot film. Um, that really kind of dives in and explores themes that I hadn't, you know, definitely hadn't considered and maybe you guys didn't either. Um, <laughs> massive thank you, Juliana, for coming on set. No problem. Thank coming on to so the podcast, sorry. <laughs> it's been absolutely, yeah, it's been absolutely wonderful Such having you on. Um, please send in any short, you know, short films that with true story that you want us to watch or any true well, no, stories don't, don't send true story ones wait mm-hmm. are you talking to the audience or to Juliana's the stuff? audience sorry what why would they say Bang. we've just done true stories no but like I don't, I don't I just want three good ones I want to see more <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> I thought you like, meant for the podcast sorry okay. oh no 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 okay sorry you do your uh, thing uh, I'll stop interrupting <laughs> <laughs> I'm being um, yeah because people might have other yeah yeah yeah, yeah. We I don't know. Know. Yeah, okay. If you have any short, you know, true story, you know, short films that are inspired by true events that you want us to have a watch, send them in. We, we always want to see more. And also, if you have any, you know, just general interesting true stories, you know, we're always interested. Um, cut that bit out. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, any lasting kind of words from today? that you've learned from these films. So, Jamie, how are you? Um, I think it would go back to something that we had when we talked about a bit in the LGBT episode when we about Queer Fringe Festival a few weeks ago. And it was the value of people telling their own stories and other people just sitting back and listening and how important that is and how powerful that is and how useful that is for society that sometimes it's, you know, we all want to communicate and talk and express ourselves as much as possible but sometimes it can be great to just just gain insight from somebody else and learn what someone else has been through in their experiences um so less of a filmmaking thing but i think more of just a society and cultural thing that i think is really useful to have yeah yeah i think mine's a bit similar but a bit more of a filmmaking perspective in it but like all of these films ground their stories on like individual characters one or two characters and like they, what you were saying, tell, like exploring bigger themes through these one characters and really associating yourself with those characters. And I think it's such an effective way to tell a story if you really get the audience invested in that character and explore that story just through that one perspective or those two perspectives, like, yeah. like just grounding it in people. Like, yeah. That's the key yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think mine is similar to yours, actually. Yeah, because like w- watching all the three made me realize like what I should be doing with my own films like <laughs> this yeah they're very efficient and very um clear very you know they go straight to the point you identify what the problem is straight away 
yeah, they're, they're really good films because of that, because they yeah. know how to tell stories uh, through the screen, yeah. uh, which is different, you know, from any other kind of media. So, yeah, it made me learn uh, and remind myself that that's that's the goal. That's something that you should always keep in mind. And yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, for me, it's probably that all of these told true stories, but each of them was shot so differently and they had their own style. So if you have a short, you know, if you have a true story that you want to tell, you can start, tell it in your own style. There's no set way to tell a true story. It's a way that it's affected you and the way that you think will affect the audiences. Um, yeah, yeah. Keep filmmaking. You can find me on Instagram at Benny Bange. You can find Matthias. I'm on Instagram, Matthias Chan. Awesome. And Juliana. Oh my God, I'm like... such an old fashioned person. <laughs> <laughs> you can send a letter. <laughs> yeah, I only have like a website and that's it. I, I don't do much social media, I'm afraid. <laughs> go, go check out Juliana's website or kind of interact in the comments. She might be in the comments to kind of like keep the conversation going. Once again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, you guys for listening. Thanks to everyone being involved. And we will see you next time. Bye. 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 Thank you.